first day of school. Very, very exciting. I was up late last night figuring out a new plan. Here it is. Fear. Ruff. I need a list of all the possible negative outcomes on the first day at a new school. Way ahead of you there. Does anyone know how to spell meteor? Disgust. Make sure Riley stands out today, but also blends in. When I'm through, Riley will look so good, the other kids will look at their own outfits and barf. Joy. Yes, Joy? You'll be in charge of the console, keeping Riley happy all day long. And may I add, I love your dress. It's adorable. Oh, this whole thing? Thank you so much. I love the way it twirls. Inside Out is the new Pixar film directed by Pete Docter, who also gave us Monsters, Inc. and Up. Docter has said that he got the idea for the movie when he noticed an emotional shift in his 11-year-old daughter. Uh, my daughter, she um, was just becoming very different, very quiet and reserved. And uh, we started thinking, geez, what's going on inside her head? Doctor then teamed up with his Pixar colleague, Ronaldo Del Carmen, to map out a story about Riley, a young girl whose life changes when her parents uproot the family from Minnesota to San Francisco. Um, we The basic concept came from me just thinking, what would be fun in animation? Uh, what about, what if we could somehow take these ideas, these feelings, fear, sadness, disgust, joy, and make them into characters? Almost like, uh, you know, if we do this right, it, it could be like our version of The Seven Dwarfs, right? Where each one of them has a very distinct, uh, definite, and caricatured way of approaching the world. Simple enough plot, you might say. But by the time the film ends you will see no less than five other talents credited with the writing of the screenplay. Usually when critics see so many names, they roll their eyes and wonder, just how many writers does it take to fix a light bulb? But the first Toy Story also had four writers. Up had five. Brave 6, Ratatouille 7, Toy Story 8, Monsters Inc. 9, A Bug's Life 11, and Cars had 15. The sole exception is The Incredibles, where Brad Bird received the only credit for not only writing, but also directing. But even then, you can guarantee Bird had enormous support and collaboration from the rest of the Pixar Brain Trust. How the Pixar Brain Trust functions can be found in Creativity Inc., a book that was, yes, written not by one, but two people. Edwin Catmull, the president of Pixar Animation, and Amy Wallace, an author whose 14 previous books ranged in topics from psychology to anthropology and shamanry. Murray died in 2013, just a few months before Creativity Inc. was published. So here is Catmull, who has a PhD in computer science, giving some insight into how creativity gets incorporated. It operates under four principles. Nobody can override the director. We uh, remove the power structure from the room. The reason we have to remove the power structure is if they know the group can override them, then they will enter the room in a defensive posture, and that will make it so they don't listen. The second is it's peer-to-peer, -peer, so that it's filmmaker talking to filmmaker. It's not boss talking to filmmaker, boss talking to employee. The uh, third principle is that they all share in each other's success. And the last one is just that they give and take honest notes. While Pixar democratized the creative process, there has been, until now, a subtle prioritization of emotions within a Pixar picture. Evidently, happiness has been the favored child, with the troubling traits of fear and despair sent to sit in the corner. This is because some emotions are more energetic than others. Joy can be hyper, and oddly, anger can be very productive. 
But sadness, which is central to Inside Out, doesn't always get your plot up off the couch. Even a positive emotion like relief can be static. But drama is not about being static. It is about emotional transitions. Cast your mind back to Wally, where the little robot stands on that rubbish heap and looks up at the stars twinkling in the night sky. That is the expression of loneliness. But if you contextualize that image within the overall pattern of the film, it also visualizes hope. If Wally weren't hopeful, he wouldn't even look up at the stars. Likewise with Up, where Carl Fredrickson releases the balloons and his house rises into the air, it expresses his releasing himself from the fear that not only governed his life as a child and a young man, but also his fear that had prevented his wife Ellie from venturing off in search of Paradise Falls. In the early days of Pixar, every release was accompanied by boasts of the enormous technical advances made in the creation of the film. For instance, the publicity surrounding Monsters, Inc. told us that Sully's fur consisted of 2,320,413 individual fibres that realistically captured the movement of his flowing mane. Fascination with such groundbreaking developments has paled recently because special effects have become so ubiquitous that they're, well, commonplace. Which means that they're not special. Or perhaps we as audiences are looking in the wrong place. Pixar are certainly looking in the right place because the biggest, the greatest and most astonishing special effect that you can ever present to an audience is the question of what is going to happen next. What is not yet seen is the most tantalising thing that could be dangled in front of an audience. But we only wonder if we care. And we only care if the film is exploring what it means to be human. Which is precisely what Inside Out does. Anyway, these are Riley's memories, and they're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. But the really important ones are over here. I don't want to get too technical, but these are called core memories. Each one came from a super important time in Riley's life. Uh, like when she first scored a goal. Oh, that was so amazing. The strongest special effect is the one that you cannot see and the one you cannot hear. It is the one you can feel. And yet, with Inside Out, not only do we see and hear the emotions, those emotions are characterised. Joy, sadness, anger, fear and disgust. And that is where Doctor and his collaborators have really excelled themselves. Ordinarily, an actor needs to have a variety of emotions within their performance because without it, there is no growth. Growth is marked by transition, and as I said, drama is all about emotional transitions. So in that reading, you could say that the characters in Inside Out are stereotypes because they don't change. Joy remains joyful, sadness remains sad, anger is always irritated. But here is the thing. Over the course of the story, each one comes to learn its own unique function. Ordinarily, sadness is saddled by loneliness. Who wants to hang out with someone who is always sad? Well, like all emotions, sadness is only transitory. And when sadness is expressed, other people recognize it, and so it becomes the recipient of empathy. The saddle of loneliness is unharnessed, and sadness becomes a lesson that there is no need for us to be alone. So the real function of sadness 
is that it leads us to reach out and communicate with others. That takes courage, so sadness summons courage. And courage? You can only measure courage by the depth of your fear. Where did you get those shoes? Those are shoes of doom! Scary! This is gonna be good! I love this part. She better take back those shoes. Alright, what are we watching? Fear, I don't think you can handle this. It's a scary movie. Uh, thank you, Joy. But I'll have you know, I'm not scared of everything. Oh, my feet! They feel possessed! Take them off, Marsha! We're no longer Marsha. We are the shoes. No, no! Instead, we watch a nature show. A young deer grazing quietly in a meadow has no chance against the vicious jaws of a grizzly bear. Speaking of fear, here is another lesson from Catmull. Many companies operate in a strictly hierarchical fashion, with everyone beneath the CEO jockeying for power and position and hoping that one day they will be at the top of the heap. Meanwhile, the power at the top becomes fearful of losing the position, and in order to protect the position, they become risk-averse. Why fix what appears not to be broken? But success can never be truly replicated, because the circumstances that created it are no longer in play. The product has changed the market. Things are, as always, in a state of flux. So success can only ever come from constant adjustment. So, how was the first day of school? It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure Mm -hmm. did. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? Signal him again. Read the reviews about Inside Out, and invariably, they will deploy that indefinable phrase, Pixar magic. It is a lot easier to say the word magic than it is to explain it. So it's better to veer towards what Catmull has said about the studio's regard for creativity and failure. Because of the rate of success, it appears Pixar don't take risks. But reading Catmull's book, you learn that it's not the management's job to prevent risks. It's management's job to make sure it is safe for others to take them. Here is Catmull once more. Personally, I think of risk as coming in three different phases. And the first phase is to decide what the risk is. So with, with a movie uh, idea, some of them are low commercial risk. They're still hard to make. They're all hard to make. But doing Incredibles 2 is low commercial risk. Doing um, a Ratatouille, a rat that wants to cook, or Inside Out, high commercial risk. These would fail the elevator test. And no matter how successful Up is, you'll never sell a lot of toy walkers. So that's phase one. Phase two is working out the consequences of the decisions that we made, because a lot of our decisions don't work out. So that's where the internal iteration comes in and fixing things. And then phase three is lock and load, where while we can still have big surprises, we do not intentionally introduce new risk. So the upfront part is that we want to do something which is new, original, something where there's a good chance of failure. 
And sure enough, we, we, we fail all along the way. That is our process. So consider these stories and you will realize the dangers involved in getting it terribly wrong. A rat breaks into a kitchen because he wants to become a chef. A husband loses his wife and all their children, save for one. Then on the first day of school, the little boy is lost and the father has to go off in search of him. How does that work? How does any Pixar movie work? They work because they all come down to one simple question. What does it feel to be human? <laughs>